We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. We have actual stuff to talk about. The offseason is over, Jason. Training camp is upon us. You know it's here because the Bulls already suffered two injuries in their first practice today. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling coming into the new season? I thought in general my quick takeaway from Media Day was that it was the first time Media Day wasn't embarrassing for the Bulls since like the prime of the D-Rose Tibbs era. I thought that Thaddeus Young gave some great quotes on leadership. I thought that it was impressive the way that Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen were talking. I loved everything to- coming out of Thomas Sadoransky's mouth in terms of his dedication to just helping the team win. He said he wasn't trying to win the starting point guard job as much as just contribute to the team's overall success. Uh, I thought in general it was a pretty good media day for the Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just because, like, yeah, like the last few years, especially, I feel like we've just been just kind of mocking them every time, like just mumbling under our breaths, deriding Gar and Pax on Twitter all the time. But I really like going through it. Like, I didn't watch. I didn't really watch the whole thing closely, but I was like following online. And I like didn't see anything where I was like, oh man, this is stupid, idiots, blah blah blah. Uh, and one of the, I think one of the big themes clearly coming out of it was, I guess, just going in. Darnell Mayberry wrote an article at The Athletic about, like, the Bulls need to come out with clear goals. This is what they need to do. Like, they need after this offseason, which we've praised them, all this good stuff, that they need to come out and say, yeah, we're going to compete for the playoffs. And basically right at the start, John Paxson didn't quite say, yeah, like, our goal is to make the playoffs. But he said something like, we think we can we can compete, and that that basically means that we can be a playoff caliber team. And then Boylan came on straight and said, yeah, our goal is to make the playoffs. Like, we're going to approach every every game like it's or every day like we're going to be a playoff team. And I like that. They're owning it. I think we've all been asking for that. Like uh, Matt Bulls blogger said that as well. I mentioned Darnell Mayberry came on and said that. And it's something that I feel like we've all been looking for. Like they're going to own this. They think they're going to be a playoff team. So if they come up short, then the head should roll. Like they, we we know what their expectations are. I'm glad that I, I was gla- really glad to see that. You mentioned a lot of that other stuff um, with the just like the mindset. Like Thaddeus Young definitely like we're already seeing why the Bulls basically probably tampered with him before free agency. They signed him right, basically right away. They agreed to a new deal. A lot of stuff made about him, but some of the quotes we found out, I think this was a new thing we found out, that he turned down uh, offers from teams definitely better, arguably championship contender teams, to come to the Bulls. Uh, he had a pretty good quote about why he did that. Let me pull it up real, really quick. Uh, yeah, it said... 
he said, it was more about need than anything. I felt like this team needed me in the process. I felt like this team would give me a chance to come and help lead, help build something, help grow something and build some culture. And clearly the Bulls need to build a culture. They really have not had that type of culture since basically Tom Thibodeau instilled that defense next man up type culture. And as much as we've been given Boylan, I mean, it seems so far that maybe he's doing that. I mean, the way that, at least with some of these guys, the way they're talking, uh, and like I said, Thad Young, he's coming in, holding people accountable, bringing everybody together. Uh, he met, he had another big quote. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but he's just talking about being a vocal leader. That's great. And there was another good quote from Otto Porter Jr. Just kind of talking about how the mindset and just like the outlook of the organization has changed. Let me pull that one up. Here it is. A lot has changed. I think the mentality of this organization, organization changed. Since I've come here, just what we want to do here has changed. That being said, I think everybody's on the right page. I think with all the talent we have, we've come early to put in that extra work to get to know everybody, every piece in here, even the front office, blah, 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 blah. And he also mentioned the playoff thing. Zach and Lowry have mentioned playoffs as well. So clearly, playoffs on the mind for the Bulls. We have talked about this a bit just over in the offseason. I know you, I feel like you've been more on the playoff train than me. I still don't think that they're going to quite make it, but I mean, it's, it's they should have these expectations. It's year three of the rebuild. You can't, ha- you can't, we can't go through another dog shit season. It's time to take a step forward. And they're clearly owning this. Yeah, I think that was awesome. I actually, every year for Bloggable, I write sort of like a season opening column. And last season coming into it, I led it with Paxson being pathetic in his media day press conference by not putting any expectations, yep. not taking any accountability for the product on the court. So I was I was really happy to see Darnell wrote his great column at The Athletic calling for that. I was happy to see the Bulls front office apparently read it and said the exact thing we wanted to hear uh, up front. And yeah, I think, you know, going into this season, now there actually is a baseline for what is successful. Now, let's say the Bulls win 38 games and they end up missing the playoffs by a game or two. Would you consider that a successful season, Jason? That might actually be the best case scenario because in the new lottery alignment, you know, the Lakers were 11th out of 14 in the lottery standings last year, jump up to number four. Uh, The Bulls still, you know, for all of the talk, all the optimism we have going into this season, like, here's a quick take for you. If the Bulls were ever to get to, like, championship contention or even forget championship contention, how about Eastern Conference Finals contention? The best player on the team is not currently on the roster. So we can all pat Garpax on the back for making a couple smart free agent signings, for making one trade in the last 10 years that could actually help the team without O'Porter Jr., but their work is so far from done. In making the playoffs, Paxson, the way Paxson phrased it, I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but he was something like, to make it to the mountaintop, to get the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. It's like, <laughs> dude, that's the most pathetic goal in all of basketball, getting the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, it's a great goal for the Bulls because it constitutes progress. Yes. Because if the Bulls are going to get there, that means that marketing had the best season of his career. I'm going to assume that means that Levine continued to build on the progress he showed last year. That means we saw serious development out of Wendell Carter Jr. And that means that their free agent signings and their trade acquisitions in Sadoransky, Thad Young, Otto Porter Jr. actually made the type of meaningful impact on the court that we're all expecting them to have based on their prior work. So I do think that getting the eighth seed is a great goal for the Bulls. I'm glad they set it up front. But, you know, lest we pat this front office on the back too much, Getting the eight seed in the East shouldn't really be acceptable under any circumstance besides for this one, and they need to be desperately scouring the rest of the league this year or scouring the rest of the draft 
the upcoming 2020 draft to try to find a star because as presently constructed, the best this team can hope for is one of the last two seeds in the Eastern Conference, and really that isn't much of an accomplishment. Yeah, so that mountaintop quote, that was actually boiling here. This is ex- I'll read the boiling quote. Our goals for the season are to make the playoffs and every day to prepare like we're a playoff team, to work like we're a playoff team. I'm excited for that. I think that's the only way to do it. There's no way that we, we're going to stand up there and say, hey, I hope we can win 10 or more ten more games or hope we hope we can be better. We want to get to the mountaintop. So clearly, I, mean, I, I kind of like that. Obviously, we, mountaintop is not the eighth seed, not just making the playoffs. I mean, I guess you could argue for this season it is, again, because to go from 22 wins to a playoff, I mean, that's going to be like 18 to 20 win jump, and that's a major jump. Like, it's happened before, obviously. The Bulls have done it before in their history. It still will take a lot to go right. But I do kind of like that mindset that they're just not going to accept whatever if we're like 5 to 10 games better. They want to get a lot better, and that, that's good to see. You To go back to your question about it, say they win 38 games and they're, they've whatever, come one or – one or two games out, I would consider that a successful season. I, I would still assume that means a lot of individual development from their young players. And like you mentioned, that could help through the draft with the lottery and all that stuff. And I feel like, I feel like for me, a successful season is they need to be in contention for a playoff spot all season. If they're, if they're out of it with a month or two left, that's a complete failure. That means the front office needs to go. As much as we're going to talk about how good things are right now and how things are looking up, like if this thing falls apart again, we're look, we should look, like I guess that head should roll. We should, they should be looking at possibly trading guys. That could mean the end of a guy like Zach Levine if he if, if he continues to be more of his empty calorie instead of being an all-around player. But yeah, I mean if they're in the mid, if they're in the high 30s and they're competing all uh, all season for a playoff spot, even if they fall short, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I mean, Levine definitely is going to just have a huge target on his back the entire season. He was even saying it in media days, like, look at my numbers. Yeah. Uh, supposedly he said this off the record to someone, uh, I think it was to Casey Johnson, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically like, uh, look at me and look at Donovan, Donovan. Mitchell, uh, whose numbers are better and what's the difference. He was inferring that the difference is winning, his teams haven't been able to win, uh, Mitchell's Jazz teams were able to win now. Levine's not playing with someone as good as Rudy Gobert, so that's an issue. Now, while Levine is going to, like I said, have a target on his back, he's going to have a ton of expectations heading into this year. I just want to see internal improvement from him. Like, if he continues to round out his game, I definitely think he's a useful player on a decent deal. Levine's biggest problem is he's just miscast as a leading man. You need to get a player who's definitely better than Zach Levine to move the needle meaningfully towards contention. When that happens, the hope is Levine would fall in line uh, and sort of accept his role as a secondary guy. For now, though, Levine is uh, being built up as the dude who's the bulk of the offense is going to be running through. I don't think that he's a perfect fit in that role, but uh, it, it does seem like if the Bulls fall short, he could be the scapegoat. And while I'm not the biggest Zach Levine fan, I do think he's talented. I enjoy watching him. I like his attitude for the most part. And I do think it's a bit unfair if he becomes the scapegoat should this team win 32-33 games. Uh, really, it's going to fall on the front office. And can they keep this roster healthy? They're the ones who you know employ the training staffs. They're the ones who are running the whole show. The Bulls have basically a decade of data at this point that shows they cannot keep their own players healthy and on the floor. And Jason, it it happened today at the the first practice of the year. Yeah, of figures. Uh, so Boylan comes out, did a whole three hour practice. Of course, uh, Joe Colley made a joke about joke about blog. It was actually kind of funny. He made like a comment about Bulls practice running three hours. Like 
good like something about the bloggers because he loves Boylan and we like to rag on Boylan. And then of course it comes out after this long practice that Wendell Carter Jr. sprained his ankle. Allegedly, it's not serious. He's only day to day. I think I heard that he stepped on somebody's foot. Uh, so hopefully that's not bad. Of course, we've heard stuff about how Bulls injuries aren't serious in the past, and then it turns out that basically their foot fell off and they're like out for the season. Let's hope that's not the case. Wendell's wor- worked hard to get back from several surgeries. He had the wrist surgery last year and then the core muscle surgery. That was one of the good things coming in. Is he and Coming into camp yesterday, he was declared 100%. So, obviously, he's not now after the sprained ankle. So, hopefully, this isn't bad. And then the other one was Daniel Gafford. It sounds like he might have a relatively serious hyperextended, I believe, elbow. I think they said it was very similar to Lowry Markkinen's uh, injury last year. And we know that cost Lowry about, I think it was around two months. I believe he's going to be getting an MRI. So, I mean, Gafford wasn't never going to be a guy who's going to be a big impact player this year. But, and that's still unfortunate. That's two basically your two centers. Luke Cornett is also dealing with turf toe right now. So right now, I think the only healthy center on the roster is Cristiano Felicio. Oh, boy. Which is, which is not great. Obviously, I, I, we, we don't know yet how bad these extra injuries actually are. Well, like I said, hopefully Wendell's not out too, for too long and they're just being precautious. But it does sound like this Gafford injury might not be very good. So we'll have to keep an eye out on that. Uh, elsewhere on the injury front, we Chandler Hartson's still out from that hamstring injury. It sounds like he might be out a little bit. He also got sent home sick. So just things not going well for him. Uh, uh, I guess somewhat better news. Denzel Valentine's ankle is supposedly fine. It was reported. Uh, Kali had mentioned something in a column before uh, coming into camp that Denzel wasn't ready to play, wasn't 100% ready to go. The Bulls refuted that yesterday at media day and that he's 100% ready to go and he's finally healthy. Uh, Denzel also, king of the uh, kind of delusional statements, is already talking about being in the three-point contest at the All-Star game in Chicago this year, which is kind of hilarious that he's already talking about that it's like dude how about you play like an actual game first you haven't played in like two years please get on the floor and actually make some actual three pointers before saying this kind of stuff but i guess it's at least a good sign that he is actually ready allegedly and not and not hurting but yeah i mean we're so used to all i feel like i mentioned this on twitter after this coming out uh it just seems like the bulls have had so many just weird unfortunate injuries in camp uh, a couple years ago there was the d rose broke his face like running into taj gibson we obviously had the Nico uh, Bobby Portis fight a couple years ago. I think that was towards the end of camp. And then last year we had Lowry and Denzel were hurt right at the beginning. And now we have Wendell and Gafford already hurt and Hutchinson's already hurt. It's like, can we just get through a camp without a key player getting injured? Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we have to rip Boylan here, right? Like, what the fuck, Jim Boylan? A three-hour practice, the very first practice of the year. How much criticism did we all have to give him last year for treating the Bulls like they were a JV high school team? To him, that was all built up under the guise of, well, we have to learn to walk before we run. And then he pointed to the way the team played in February and the progress they made later in the season as a way to show that, yeah, I was tough on him at first, but then I actually treated him like adults and trusted him. Not that you ever should have had to treat him like teenagers in the first place. This is more of this high school coach bullshit. Like, dude, you do not need to be running a three-hour practice. You do not need to be injuring two centers the first day of practice. It's totally ridiculous from Boylan, and he deserves all the criticism he can possibly get for it. And then it also goes back to the Bulls' training staff, which has remained mostly in place. 
uh, over you know the entirety of this decade. This might be my bias saying this, being that the Bulls are the team I follow the closest, but it feels like the Bulls have had more injuries than any team in the league over the last decade. The front office has not proven the ability to keep their players healthy, and they deserve to get ridiculed for it. The front office is constantly blaming the players for getting hurt, uh, and certainly like the players do have some accountability in keeping themselves in shape and in staying healthy, but this whole spiel about how if the players are working out in their building, they're going to stay healthy, how they have all the resources to get healthy and stay healthy. These injuries are happening in their building, and they're happening because your dumbass head coach <laughs> is pushing them three hours on the very first practice of the year. It's totally insane. Yeah, so Boylan had an explanation for why he pushed them three hours in this first practice. Uh, this came out today. It said, Jim Boylan's opting for one long practice in first week of camp as opposed to a double session, one of which would have to be non-contact. He says he didn't make that decision until about 10 days ago because it was the work I saw in September, the spirit and professionalism. First of all, there's a spirit reference. We already got one, first day of camp. I don't think he had one of those yesterday, but we already go first practice talking about the spirit and professionalism. Let's talk about that in, in our building stuff because that was another one of the big themes. Uh, Gar Pax talked about it. Gar was talking about it. Uh, Boylan was talking about it. Apparently the Bulls had all this... All this great stuff happening in their building in September. Uh, and they had all these workouts. They had these one-on-one tournaments. And apparently Ryan Archidiakono won one of them and won some WWE belt uh, in these one-on-one tournaments. And they talked about they were hyping up Chris Dunn's work in September in these workouts in their building. They, this has been a thing for a couple of years now. They, lo- they love talking about their guys being in their building and playing. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's like something that's – I have never really noticed that's something that's like too like, – just for the Bulls, like the Bulls, the Bulls hyped this up more than anybody else, but I think they love talking about it. And it was something that was talked about extensively at media. Let me pull up here. It's one of these quotes. Like I said, Paxson said it, Gar, uh, Gar said it, and Boylan. Uh, yeah, Boylan was talking about how they had full attendance in these September workouts, and that it was so special, and that they had a ton of energy there, and that the dedication was great, and we're starting camp in great shape. Uh, and then Gar said some, yeah, like, uh, just like the top-notch individual workouts in September, the vibe is vibe in this building with the camaraderie with the new guys, the old guys, the belief system, and all that stuff. Uh, and then Paxson even said the in this building thing is we like our talent level and like what we have in this building. Like the commitment our commitment our guys made this last month to be here when they don't have to be to get together to form the camaraderie has something that has been a powerful thing around this building. So they just love this thing. Like. What do, you, do you think they'd like really go overboard with this stuff? Because it does feel like a, it's kind of like nauseating. Sometimes. First of all, it's trash. Like where, where, where's the union coming in on this? Like the players aren't required to be there a month early in September. So why are the Bulls essentially mandating that the whole team shows up uh, to be there? And you know, with the way the Bulls haven't been able to keep the team healthy, I don't know if pushing them in September is the way to go. Like I understand what Boylan's saying, and that. You know, if you're showing up out of shape, you're immediately behind the eight ball at the start of training camp. Preseason isn't that long. Jabari Parker is a premium example from last season because he showed up really out of shape last year. And I think that that got his entire Bulls tenure off to the wrong foot. With that being said, though, I don't know how much benefit the Bulls are really getting from, you know, pushing the team pretty hard together in September. And I'm thinking of it from the union's perspective. Like, if I'm the union, I'd push back against this. Because the players aren't mandated to be there, so it's kind of garbage that they're essentially mandating that voluntary off-season activities are, you know, what what you have to report for because this is how the, the coach in the front office runs the ship. 
It's interesting because I feel like a lot of teams, I guess what, from what I've noticed, I feel like a lot of teams go on like these trips elsewhere with a lot of, like I think we saw it, we, like the Clippers and like the Lakers, I think did that. They did these like team bonding trips to like exotic locales and they did that kind of stuff. And it seems like that's been a more popular thing lately. And then you have the Bulls who they just love being in the Advocate Center apparently. And that's like their whole thing. So like he like said, I don't know if like if, if we're making too much of a big deal out of this, but they definitely do talk about it a lot. And it's, and that's something that they talk about just all the time, and it is kind of, kind of goofy, kind of obnoxious, and and the stuff about like the injuries, like I, I can't remember the exact quote the Pagson had about the injuries, and like, and you mentioned it, like like being in the, like they're getting hurt in your in your building, so it's like I, I, what they're doing isn't really making that much of a difference. I don't know the fact that the camaraderie stuff does seem to be playing like a key part like i said i mentioned thad young has been talking about it otto was talking about it so maybe that is legit maybe that this will help this year i guess we'll see we'll have more to talk about media day after a quick word from our sponsors indochino is founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe i know when you got when you get a suit you always got to make sure you get a suit that fits well bad fitting suits they look awful you want something that fits well but you also want to get something at the right price Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. And the best part is that they're affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. So start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, the shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming, it's expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know that you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, doesn't matter. ShipStation brings you all the orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose all the best shipping solutions for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal when you use ShipStation. It's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Cash Consideration listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial even without entering your credit card info, just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE, that's ShipStation.com, enter the offer code BLUE, ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, we're back, Cash Consideration, Chicago Bulls podcast, talking about Bulls Media Day and their first day of training camp where they have already unfortunately suffered a few injuries, Wendell Carter Jr., sprained ankle, 
Daniel Gafford, I think it was a hyper-extended elbow. We'll get more info about them moving forward. But one of the other big things about training camp, and this was one of a bigger off uh, storyline in the offseason, is the point guard situation. Uh, going into this uh, this offseason, John Pax and the Bulls made it clear that they were going to upgrade a point guard. Chris Dunn just d- did not get the job done last season. Uh, Chris Dunn even mentioned that they basically told him that they were going to be upgrading, upgrading a point guard. Uh, they went on. They drafted Kobe White with number seven pick. They signed Tomas Sedaransky. They got him in the sign and trade from the Wizards. They re-signed Ryan Archidiakono, uh, basically creating a bit of a logjam there at point guard. So clearly, there's going to be a bit of a battle. I would assume Sedaransky is, is the leader in the clubhouse for that. But they've talked about there being a battle. Boylan came out with more quotes today about uh, just there going to be a battle and that it's good for good for the good to have that kind of competition. But, of course, where does that leave Chris Dunn? Uh, they, they tried to trade him. They made it known that they were trying to trade him. It seems like Chris Dunn would have liked a new liked a new home. I know Casey Johnson, I think Darnell said the, reported this as well, that both sides were basically looking to find a new home. Just nothing ended up happening. There's, they couldn't get any value for him. So they, didn't, they weren't going to dump him. He can still help the team if he can accept a role, whether it's he's still somehow the starter, whether he comes off the bench as more of like a defensive first type of guy and he doesn't have a big role. So obviously Chris Dunn was asked about that. He interesting enough, Chris Dunn was not uh, at the po- he did not get a podium interview, which I guess is which it seems like another sign of just his falling standing with this franchise in terms of the rebuild. But I kind of like the stuff that Chris Dunn had to say. Like they asked him, like does he view himself as a starter? He said, yeah, obviously I still would like to be a starter, but who doesn't want to start? But then he said it's coach's choice. I'm down to do whatever to help this team win. What other teams, whatever the team needs me to do, I'm here for it. And like I said, he talked about how the team basically flat out told him that they were going to upgrade a point guard. Uh, I mentioned that John Paxson singled him out and said that he looked really good in September workouts, uh, that he's a good defender, that he can still help, whether it's coming off the bench as a point guard, whether he comes off as a two. They obviously need help with wing defense. They are a little, they are a little thin on the wing. Dunn is a bigger guard, bigger point guard. He's got a good wingspan. He can play defense. I still think Chris Dunn can probably help the team as like a D. Like, I don't want to say like a Mark. He's comparing to like a Marcus Smart type. Like he, Marcus Smart's a winning player. He's. I don't like Marcus Smart that much. He's kind of annoying, but that's he's the kind of guy you have that he's the kind of guy that you hate him when he's on another team. Love him on yours. Uh, I guess what do you just what do you make of the whole the point guard situation? Like who do you think will start? Do you like what Chris Dunn had to say yesterday about about his role? It does seem like he's looking to embrace it, and I think he really has to because I mean he's in a situation where in a contract year. He's got to play to either get traded to a new team or just get a new contract, probably from another team. I'm assuming the Bulls will not be resigning. But what do you make of that whole situation? Uh, I think Thomas Sadoransky should be the opening day point guard for the Bulls. I don't think that it should be a competition. I think he's clearly the best option on the team. Now, you can put him versus Dunn out there under the guise of competition in training camp. But I think for the skill set Sadoransky has, it's definitely best for him to play with the starters. I do like the idea of Chris Dunn off the bench. It might come at the expense of some development from Kobe White. But if the Bulls are trying to make the playoffs, they're not going to have a huge margin for error. I'm okay with Dunn giving the Bulls sort of a second look as an offensive initiator off the bench when Levine's resting. Someone who can run the pick and rolls, run the isolations, be the main hub of the offense. Because that's the type of offensive player Chris Dunn has always thought himself to be. Uh, He's always sort of had an aggressive scoring mindset as a point guard. He's not someone who you know, really wants to get his teammates involved. I think he looks for his own offense first. Uh, and that's a, a reason why Levine and Dunn didn't really play well together, yeah. right? Because they both wanted the ball in their hands. So I like Dunn on the second unit. I do think it's a legit question of 
if he's going to buy into his role. Sure, he said all the right things in September, but uh, when push comes to shove, he's playing for his livelihood here. He's playing for his second contract, which is you know the biggest point in any NBA player's career in terms of taking care of themselves financially. So uh, I think that that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, is Dunn happy with this role if he's willing to accept it and embrace it? I do think keeping him on the team could be beneficial because uh, it would give the Bulls another guy to run the offense through when Zach's out. God forbid Zach gets hurt. I think Dunn would be big in that instance too, but in that case, just tank the season because he might as well just go for Anthony Edwards and forget about making the playoffs. But yeah, I like what's coming out of Dunn's mouth for now. Uh, you know, we'll see, man. I think it's going to be a storyline to monitor into the season as it has been all summer. Yeah, I mean, I would assume still that there's going to be a trade at some point. Obviously, this offseason, just nothing materialized because he, he was bad last year. Like, he was not efficient at all. He, he's been dealing with injuries throughout his career. I feel like his defense slipped last year a bit as well. Uh, and just, yeah, there's just really just no value for, for him at this point. But if he does accept a role and he does at least play a little well, I mean, you could argue that if he does accept a role and he plays well, maybe you keep him for a playoff fish. But I, I still feel like they'd probably ideally want to balance out the roster a bit since they are kind of thin at the wing. Uh, they don't have t- too many guys that could they can count on. Like, you, you can argue that Chris Dunn could play like a wing role more often, but in terms of like an off-the-ball threat, that's just really not his best. Like I said, as like a defensive-minded sub who can do some stuff as like a backup point guard as well, I think that makes more sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I still feel like I would be really surprised if he doesn't get traded at some point. But like I said, that doesn't mean he can't help the team right now as long as he buys in. And I think he just... I just hope that he realizes that he does have to buy in this because again, if he if he sh- comes out and struggles again, if he pouts, like I mean, he's a guy who could be out of the league next season or, or playing on like a minimum deal, and like he's you don't want to do that at this point. So it will be very in- interesting to see how that works and just how th- that just the the whole point guard rotation in general. Because you mentioned like Kobe White, like you want him to get minutes, but in, if you're trying to make the playoffs, like I have a feeling Kobe White's probably not going to be that good this year. I would assume Kobe will also get minutes at the two. He'll play some off the ball. Uh, uh, Boylan has made a point talking about the multi-ball handler system and all that kind of stuff and that they're, they're going to be wanting to push pace and having multiple guards out there who can handle the ball like that and pushing the pace will be useful. So I think there is some room for all these guys here. Where that leaves a guy like Archie Diacono as well, I don't know because Archie was surprisingly really good last year, efficient player who can who can do things as well. So it will be interesting to see how Boylan kind of divvies up those minutes in the backcourt and then what happens with Dunn moving forward and get, getting closer to the trade deadline. It is a huge indictment on the lack of wing depth on this team that we're talking yeah. about Chris Dunn, Thomas Sadoransky, and Shaq Harrison all playing the three when those guys are nominally all point guards. Uh, and, you know, I saw my, my former coworker Christian Winfield wrote something today for the New York Daily News on David <laughs> Nwaba, and yeah. every time I see something on that, I'm just like, ah, oh, God, Nwaba would have been so good. Now, maybe Shaq Harrison can provide a, a similar type of skill set. He's not quite as strong, which I think is an issue. Like, Nwaba was basically taking on Giannis at times uh, during a season with the Bulls, and it's tough to expect someone with uh, Shaq Harrison's size to be able to draw those assignments successfully, but... Uh, yeah, it's an issue. They got a lot of point guards. Some of them are going to have to play other positions because they're they're thin elsewhere. Yeah, and they've talked a lot about Sadoransky and his versatility. Uh, and they just he can play one, two, or three. And uh, Paxson talked about talked about that. I think Boylan's talked about that. I mean, you can't. He's obviously he's what six seven, six eight. He's got the good size. He's got a nice skill set. So yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting because with Hutchinson, we don't know what's going on with him. 
uh, with Denzel. Who knows what, what he can give? So like, there's just so much. There's as optimistic as we are about the Bulls and possibly making a push to the playoffs. There's still a lot of unknown in the on the wing and in that backcourt and how things are going to work out there. So I it will be curious to see how those minutes are divvied up because there's just there's a lot of options there. And while having the options can be good, they're not always great options. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, moving forward, I guess let's talk about let's talk about Jim Boylan just uh, some more. What were some of your favorite uh, some Boylan is like we've talked about Boylanisms. Did anything stand out to you from from good old Jimbo yesterday? There was just one quote that was making me crack up uh, as I was listening to it as I had the live stream on. I'm gonna read it off right now. Boylan, we've added ballers to this team. <laughs> Kobe White, whether he's a one or a two, he's a baller. Shaq Harrison's a baller. Archie's a baller. Archie started 12 games at the two for us last year. His true position is probably point guard, but he's a baller. Thad Young's a baller. He can play the three, four, or five as a matchup nightmare. That's what this roster is. We've got to do a good job of using those guys and give them the space and freedom to use what they have. So. Uh, got a team full of ballers, I think would be a great uh, slogan for this team. They would have to be good to make it fit. I don't know if they're going to be good enough to live up to it, but Boylan setting a high bar the first day of camp in, in more ways than one. Yeah, he, he really is. Uh, he also, I did like his quote also about uh, Zach Levine's man body, and we know that Zach does work his ass off in the offseason. Uh, getting in the weight room, the gym. He sh- we've talked about how he shows it on Instagram all the time. Uh, he's talking about being an all-star this year, talking about par- participating in the slam dunk contest again in Chicago, which would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, Zach Levine getting that man body. Uh, and then, of course, we can't can't do this talk about boiling all without, his, without mentioning his opening statement, which was uh, – he was really laying it on thick, talking about just like how like grateful he was to be there and how grateful he was to the front office. Like I feel like this Boylan, we've talked about this before. Like Boylan and this front office, I feel like they're just made for each other. Just meatbally, old school guys. Like we obviously make fun of it all the time, but just like his opening statement was just like peak Boylan with the just like the kissing ass of the front office, and they they love his style and his hard charging meatball style and he loves their the exact same exact thing going back the other way he he said something about gar and was talking about how like great gar was with this offseason and like the draft process and free agency so it was just really kind of funny just like the kissing ass kissing ass. i feel like i saw somebody else was like dude like you already got your extension man you don't have to totally you have to do this like to make your during your opening statement uh on media day but it was a very boiling thing to do and like i said i'm not gonna like in terms of boiling, like we've obviously, we've uh, we've criticized him a lot, uh, and I think he's he's gonna have to earn our respect here. Like I was again, I think it was I think it was Cowley wrote some article about again like calling out the bloggers for like not liking boiling all that all that stuff. It's like, well, dude, this guy's got still got to earn our respect and our trust as a coach. Like all we've seen out of him so far is basically uh, there was a near mutiny, there were a ton of historic losses, a bunch of garbage offense last season, just like but tons of tons of blowouts and all that stuff. We saw like one competent month. Like we still have to see this guy has so much to prove. Like I'm not going to start saying great things about him until, until uh, they actually show it. He did say some other good things about like the pace. They're going to try to coach with pace. He was talking up his new assistants, Chris Fleming and Roy Rogers, and they're going to play faster and all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's hope that they do it. And let's hope that they actually do embrace Playing faster, shooting more threes, because they have a roster that can do it. But we, Jim Boylan has a lot to prove. He did get this extension that we don't really think he necessarily deserved. So hopefully, hopefully he is the right man for the job. For right now, I'm still going to laugh at all the goofy statements and all the 
and all the spirit talk. And I guess hopefully at some point we can laugh at that without also being just pulling our hair out because he's a goofy high school meatball coach. Dude, this guy's dangerous. I mean, you're talking about how he has to earn our respect. He already lost my fucking respect day one of the season by holding a three-hour practice and injuring two of the centers. So, no, Boylan sucks. Right now, I'm coming into the season like Boylan's probably the worst coach in the NBA. I bet he's the lowest paid. Uh, first of all, we should probably oh, double wait. check that, but I think he's the lowest paid coach in the league. He was by a mile. It was him and Kenny Atkins from the Nets who hopefully got a raise uh, coming into this year after they signed Kyrie and Durant. But Boylan blows, dude. Like, forget him like proving to us that he can lead the team to the playoffs. He needs to prove to me he's not the worst coach in the league, and he's more of a asset than a detriment because right now it sure looks like he's more of a detriment. Uh, and it's just a big bummer that they brought him back. Like it was the one decision the Bulls have made in the last calendar year that was like classic bad Bulls. Like the auto trade yeah. was great, the free agent signings were great, and then they blew it by retaining this guy. I mean, what were they thinking? But it's because he just kisses Paxson's ass and kisses Gar's ass the whole time, uh, and it's really pathetic. And then you know you mentioned uh, our boy Cowley. My longtime friend, uh, <laughs> he called the cops on himself uh, earlier today. So three hours ago, he tweeted, first day of Bulls practice yeah. and Jimbo has the boys at almost three hours. Get the blogs ready, exclamation <laughs> point. Next tweet, 45 minutes later, Wendell Carter has his yes. left ankle sprain in practice day to day. Daniel Gafford hurt his elbow. Uh, I mean, Kali, I'm, I'm going to zip the lip. So I'm not going to talk about this anymore, but what a guy. Uh, too funny. Um, I think that's about it. Was there anything else? Uh, we, I guess we really didn't talk about Lowry that much. He claimed he was healthy. Dr. Zach Levine also asserted that Lowry is healthy after the weird uh, heart rate scare last year. So I guess that's good. Like, obviously, big expectations for Lowry coming to this year. We briefly mentioned that. Zach is all the hard work he's put in. The, the both those guys are looking to play 82 games this season, so obviously big expectations for them. They're kind of taking the lead here as the two main guys. We let's hope that, let's hope that's the case. So, do you have any other final thoughts from uh, media day in this opening day of practice? Not really. I thought that the media day in general is pretty encouraging. I think Thad Young rules. He's going to be a godsend for this team. I like the way Lowry and Zach were talking. I like the way Sadoransky was talking. Uh, but I mean, basically whatever goodwill they built up in front of the microphones on media day, they immediately lost with this first practice going three hours, two guys getting hurt more of the same garbage. The bulls front office needs to prove they can keep their own players healthy. They always put the onus on the players, but guess what? The players have changed out and the players are still getting injured. It's on the front office to change something they're doing. Cause right now. It sucks, and if the Bulls have any hope of making the playoffs this year, it is absolutely paramount that they stay mostly healthy the entire season. Why would we have any faith in them doing that, Jason? They've already had guys injured in the preseason. They've had guys or in the offseason. They've had guys injured in the first day of practice. Uh, I'm already getting worked up about it because for them to come through on their playoff aspirations, they got to stay healthy, and they just haven't shown the ability to do it. I don't know why we should have any faith in them. Yeah, it's tough. Like we've we've been optimistic most of the off season, and to have this happen right away, it's, it's so easy to fall back into that pessimistic pit of despair. With, that is Bulls basketball. I'm gonna I'm just keep hope that we haven't had any super serious injuries to the main guys. That you knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. That not, not that the Wendell injury is not that bad. And that they're gonna make it through the rest of the camp, uh, mostly unscathed. Let's hope that Gafford's injury isn't too serious. So I guess we'll see. Uh, move, looking ahead to this co- coming week, our next pod, 
Uh, we will be having. We do have a preseason game to talk about. Obviously, preseason is mostly a joke. Uh, I'm assuming the main guys won't be playing that much anymore, or won't be playing that much in general. I mean, we see how useless like the NFL preseason now is, especially with as more teams just don't play their main guys. Like, we'll see how much how much Boylan plays their main. I I could see Boylan being a guy who plays his main guys more. I guess, but hopefully he's smart about that. But it'll still be nice to see them back out on the floor. They play the Bucks. On Monday night, that's obviously, I would guess, Giannis plays very little, if at all, maybe just to get a few minutes out there. But still, Bulls-Bucks, Central Division matchup to kick off the preseason. Then, obviously, the, the, after that on Wednesday, uh, they play Z- the Zion, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans, so that should be fun. But next pod, we'll, be, we'll at least have a, uh, one game to talk about with the Bucks, uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I have nothing else, so Ricky, are you good? I think we should wrap up here. Yeah, sounds good. Cash considerations. Thanks for listening to us. Ricky, Jason, out. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yep, awesome. And as always, please go check out Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods and, uh, and go check us out wherever you listen to your pods. Rate and review us. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun places. Uh, this has been Jason again. And Ricky, take it easy, guys. Talk to you guys next week where we can talk about real Bulls basketball.